0: its own. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the line, this is your song.
1: <laughs> and welcome, everybody, to our Daily Gun Show. Coming live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, and we talk about guns for an hour. This is an effort in practicing new media, so we're not just a radio show stuck on the internet. We strive to be a conversation that keeps going every day, and uh, that involves people that are on both sides of the microphones or the cameras or whatever you want to call the internet. So uh, we encourage you to participate in the show uh, with what we got going on. You can jump in and join uh, over on gunchannels.com. It's a community we built where we have this conversation going. And uh, we invite you to be part of it. So uh, with that in mind, we've got Cycle Camp joining us from uh, Connecticut. Thanks for joining.
2: Hi there, everybody. Hope you all had a great holiday and got lots
1: of good gun crud. Always good wishes. And then we got uh, Gary jumping in from Kansas.
0: And uh, thanks for the invite.
1: Always. And We got a couple other invites out there, of course, and uh, people want to take us up on it. And if you haven't joined the show before, but you're curious, let us know and, uh, send you a link. So, uh, it's Thursday. We normally talk about training in CCW and that all goes back to Dano, who's not even joining us tonight. So we don't have to talk about that, but, uh, I don't know. Let's see what we got in the schedule over here to talk about unless you guys have some topics.
2: Do do you guys, uh, a lot of the guys in, in my club, uh, they belong to multiple clubs, or they at least they shoot at multiple clubs. And I noticed that quite a few of them um, switch over to indoor ranges this time of year. And I was just wondering if if uh, if you guys do that as well. You know, do you, do you, do Actually, you guys are the guys in the audience do that?
0: All right, Matt. that's uh, all I have access to is an indoor range.
1: And for us, because of the climate, it's the other way around. This is when we get to enjoy our outside ranges. It might be a little cooler than we'd we'd love, but uh, compared to the heat of the summer, that's when we get driven indoors.
2: Oh, yeah. I I have not even been able to – I couldn't reach our outdoor range if I wanted to without a – I would need like a a Jeep that was a foot and a half off the ground because it's all flooded out because we're in a floodplain. So, in addition to being cold and crummy, it's it's all you know. It's it's almost impossible to get out there. So, it's uh, we're still waiting for it to clear up a little bit, so I can go out and make a couple gun videos. But uh, but yeah, I, I can see why a lot of guys switch to the indoor stuff. At least up here in the Northeast, you know, this time of year.
1: And that's annoying because then it's a lot less opportunity for rifles and stuff. Because unless it's a really elaborate range, they're not going to even want rifles in there.
2: And it's also a problem because most indoor ranges do not want you drawn from a holster. You know, they they don't want you doing any kind of rapid fire at all. You know, it, it your your opportunity to keep—I'll uh, say this with air quotes—your real skills going really go down quite a bit when you have, when you end up. I think personally, when you go to a an indoor range, maybe that's you know maybe that's not true because I don't do it very often, but the, that's the impression I have.
1: Slim is saying, you usually have to shoot indoors this time of year because the hands get too bad, I'm guessing, cold-wise.
0: I would imagine that's part of the problem, yeah. I'd have some. If
2: you have arthritis, you know, the, the cold really gets to you.
0: Yeah.
1: So do you train when it's easy and convenient and comfortable, or do you train in environments that push you and make you uh, either work with uh, you know austere conditions or in difficult situations.
0: If I had the outdoor range that I could use, I'd go out in the cold. Wouldn't bother me. It might hurt, but I'd work around it.
1: Nah, I'm a wuss. So you a bad guy? You know that? Are they gonna make an appointment with you and like you know schedule the duel, or are they gonna wait for it to be a miserable rainy day and knock you over the head with a two by four in the parking lot?
0: i mean i've got my concealed carry with me all the time when i'm out and that includes when it's really cold outside so i need to be able to use it then too
2: i mean i think it's perfectly acceptable to ask the guy to hold on a minute while you take your (laughs) glove off and your mittens and stuff and and it goes it goes really well in court too that you you, do know that you are trying to be polite and all that exactly
1: now are you going to slap him with the glove
2: or that's the accepted procedure, right? When one slap on each side of the face, and then you throw the glove down at his feet, and while he's looking, then you then you shoot his ass.
1: Well, since we're kind of just bumping around topics, would the world be better if we still had legal dueling? Oh, with lethal consequences to spouting off at the mouth. Oh
3: yeah, it would certainly. Uh would we likely, anyway, clean up the gene pool a little bit. I think.
1: I think people would be less like talking about how much they shoot nine millimeter because then they would know that nobody would be as scared of them in a duel.
3: That's debatable.
2: Would not it be wonderful if if some of these cases are really bad slander and stuff, or if someone brought false charges against you in court, if you could check the box that says after the verdict, I want a duel.
1: Yeah, would they even go down that road if it's like, uh oh, this guy's gonna this is gonna end in a duel. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think the
2: Me Too movement would take a, a serious left turn at that point in time.
0: Might.
1: So why did they quit dueling? Why did they become outlawed? they anybody know? I've never looked into it. I haven't either. I mean I just assumed it's because people were getting but but killing
3: each other but i would think that falls kind of falls under vigilante justice or something
1: you know? yeah well, like just because you're offended and the other guy was willing to take lethal consequences for offending
3: you, like- parties are willing to do that you know what i mean of course we've got the whole assisted suicide thing that is controversial yeah, not even everywhere is okay with it and the patient is okay with it and then they say well no even though the doctor is willing to do it and the patient Willing to do it, you can't do that. So, you know, even if both parties are willing, you know, you still run into issues, I guess. And I, why I don't know.
1: You, know, Bob, has talked about in Canada they have some sort of a deal where if both parties agree, they can just slug it out and have a fight, and nobody's what is there no consequence? I don't know how that works, but basically, there's like, a, you know, if you get into a fight intentionally, then nobody's at fault or something. I don't know.
2: I mean if you broke the guy's neck intentionally, I think uh they might have something to say about that. Oh no, I
1: mean it's an honorable fight or whatever, it's just that it's different than here where if you get into a fight, you're both I guess, you know, gonna get a bit punished, right?
2: Well, you know, that it to be honest, that's how it used to be in not too many olden days ago. Guys would disagree and they'd end up beating the hell out of each other and then the next day they'd go out for a beer. You know, because it, they'd get it out of their systems and they and you know, they would do that.
1: So, Right, and I that's, don't know. that would be the way to, to settle a point or something that was, you know, otherwise just whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that's obviously gone from our culture, but not from Canada's, right? Fair. Is there anywhere that dueling is still legit? It's still acceptable? Do we know?
0: Did you know that dueling was a sport in the 1908 Summer Olympics in London?
1: literal somebody died
0: pistol dueling well the way they did it is they wore heavy protective clothing and a metal helmet with a glass eye screen and the dueling pistols were armed with conventional their conventional pistols but the cartridges had wax bullets and were without any powder charge a bullet was propelled only by the explosion of the cartridge's primer yep
3: whoa
2: Oh, so that's like the wax guns you shot at that uh, museum that time, Hiller uh, out by Boot Hiller, wherever it was.
1: Wax bullets we shot at a museum. But anyway, yeah, I mean, definitely, it sounds like the you can get those still. I mean, you can make those. Just take 38 cartridges, put a primer in there, put some wax in there instead of a projectile. You can also get a little rubber eraser looking things that you can kind of reuse.
3: Yeah, I take and I'll take um like um what am I thinking? Like the paraffin, you know, like you get it to in the grocery store for canning or whatever. Right. And then you can take and take a thirty eight cartridge, put the primer in it, and you take that paraffin and just push it down in there and basically break it off.
1: Yeah, you sort of make like a thin sheet of it, right? And you just stick it in there like a cookie cutter and it just right.
3: Yeah, there's, you know, cool. exactly right, yeah.
1: Or like making biscuits, I guess something like that.
3: Yeah, something. Yeah, something along that lines. Yeah.
1: But that's interesting. That was 1908, so not quite in not my grandfather's lifetime, but yeah,
3: still the 20th century. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at other things. Look, you know, when you're when you're talking about Olympics, you know, there's been a lot of wussification of the of the Olympics, but all of that started for, it was war games. You're throwing a spear, right? And you're, you know, you're, you're pushing yourself over walls, you know, and, uh, fencing. I mean, look at fencing and stuff like that. It's all, it's all war games. So, I mean, it kind of make that kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah. That's sort of where it started, right? This instead of having armies fight each other, they all did pizza strength to see who was the better champions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. Now they wear clothes. What the hell? Is,
2: what is it with that? The original Greeks, you know, that the, went at the
1: Olympics, they were all naked.
3: Well, the figure skaters, you know, they they tend to go a little skimpy nowadays. So,
1: I went to the nineteen eighty eight Olympics naked, and yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. They don't like it anymore. No, <laughs> no, I learned that when I was over in Greece.
3: You're not man. You're not a man until you go to the Winter Olympics naked,
0: man. Yeah, ski jumping would be fun. Naked ski jumping? Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. I think fencing would be the worst.
3: <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Gives a whole new meaning to being touched, right?
4: What about naked speed skating? That's
1: a lot of blades.
2: I am not getting in a little bitty ass bobsled <laughs> with three other <laughs> naked guys. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't, don't give a
2: shit what anybody says.
3: Wouldn't be so bad as long as you were in the back, right? But if you were in the middle, that that wouldn't be 11.
4: Can you imagine the, the if he did naked curling? I mean that'd be great. Ice hockey.
2: Ow. Oh no, that'd be bad. Ouch. Talk about a body check. Ooh. Oh god. Leaving leaving skin all over the ice and everything. Well,
1: off
3: the rail pretty quick with all the naked Olympics.
1: Yeah, that
3: went weird. Yeah, sorry about that.
1: All right. Well, is this this isn't the last show for us of this year, but it's getting there. We still get tomorrow, right? And Monday it looks like it will still hey, be this.
0: Monday. Week.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Monday is is that New Year's Eve? Yeah. Oh wow, I'm not doing anything for New Year's Eve. I stay the hell out of the, the world on New Year's Eve.
4: Right. Because and we do of- it, right? We can. We could be right. on Daily Gun Show live about. when it turns to 2019 right no because when they
2: have the show it's already uh 20, 2020 2019.
0: not here, not, yeah. here it's
2: not. you have to show you have to start the show a half hour early
0: it'd be perfect for us yeah yeah
1: so what should we do on the new year's eve daily gun show it'll be episode 721. i i think i think
2: all the guys who uh uh our hosts on the new year's eve show should all have to do a desk pop that'd
3: be interesting that'd Uh, be fun launcher pops but that can be arranged. yeah some some
2: form of pop not to include soda pop
3: that could be arranged
1: so they make these things we're talking about new year's they make these like laws that say you can't shoot into the air obviously for reasons because the projectile comes back down and then in Tucson, at least, we've got these, I don't know, radar or some, sonar or something that can tell where gunshots like a track. Oh, yes, yes, the shot placement stuff. So uh, they use that on the 4th of July, and then they use it, I guess it's just listening to everyone in town, you know, through those big loudspeakers or something. And I don't know if it's supposed to be there all the time for gunshots or what, but anyway, what's the deal? Why do you think they we went from you can't shoot guns in the air for safety why did we go straight past being able to shoot blanks in the air? I remember uh, shooting blanks when I was younger. Yeah. I mean, it's a legitimate celebration, you no, know? shooting shotguns up into the air. It's fun. And- well,
2: yeah, you used to shoot the big heavy bolt action stuff and just yank the rounds out of it. I mean, Christ, you'd get a flash out of
1: there like three feet long. It was really cool. Yeah, it's kind of fun. and I don't know. It's got to be traditional at some point. I'm sure back in the olden days, Davy Crockett and them were shooting guns up in the air on you New know, years, right?
3: Uh-huh. sure yeah well i mean look you've got look at the salutes that
0: you do right for even something like you know, oh, yeah it's a tradition you know yeah yeah i mean if you can buy noisy fireworks and shoot them off you should be able to shoot off your guns too yeah. Yeah,
1: but
2: what, the what a guy screws up. go ahead i'm sorry
3: i'll do on new year's eve usually i'll do a i'll do a mag dump usually on something but i mean it's not in the air i'll I'll put it into the ground or in a clearing bucket or into a berm or something.
2: Yeah, that must be pretty, pretty sophisticated software to be able to tell the difference between a a firearm going off and a, and a, uh, you know, a a firework. But I know my dad can tell. He can always tell when it's a firearm. He just has a ear for that.
1: A computer can tell because when noise when you look at noise signatures they all look different the computer can tell that right away so I'm pretty sure whenever they were talking about it one time they said they can tune it to listen for whatever so on the 4th of July they'll tune it to fireworks or something like they'll tune it off of guns down to fireworks or whatever so it'll include fireworks
2: yeah yeah well I think that would be fun I got those I got those two derringers and that little seven shot 22 and I've got some 22 blanks so I could probably fit them in there that would
1: be fun I think I did I think that last fear. year. I think pump shotguns with blanks. That's easy to shoot and cycle and loud. Yeah, yeah. We had a uh, gun shop that went out of business one time. Well, it changed the owners. The shop is still there, but the original owners left, and some place in California came in and bought it, and it during that transition, they sold all their inventory, and <laughs> it was sort of like, you know, a big sale for a while and then after weeks it was just just like a garbage bin of you know all the junk and we went in there one day and got a whole bunch of targets for nothing like literally years worth of targets for nothing because they were silhouettes that nobody wanted they were ugly or dumb looking and uh they had tons and tons and tons of shotgun blanks. i don't know why they had so many shotgun blanks with just cases and cases of them and i thought about it like and it'd be fun to have these things but i know i just get myself in trouble shooting my blanks all the time Any other ideas for a New Year's Eve show? How do you start off 2019? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Anybody got any big plans for 19? I know Ghost has some things going on, but is 19 a big year for anybody?
2: No, I plan on spending a lot of time up at the state capitol in the legislative office building because Connecticut, we got a real shit show going on (laughs) here, so. So I, I plan on spending an awful lot of time writing testimony and sitting around waiting to testify. We'll be we'll be doing uh, what do you call it? We'll be doing. Uh, I'm ho- I'm hoping to go to Tulsa in April and not buy quite so many guns this time. I I know I say that every time I go, but I'm <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. hopefully always not- buy more.
2: Yeah, I know, God. So uh, I did work it out the other day, though. Even even with me spending more money uh, because of the overweight luggage, I'm still saving money on the postage. It's still cheaper than, than mailing the things home on my own. So that's a pretty good deal because it just weighs so much. But uh, hopefully the next one will be – there's a couple of handguns I'm interested in, so that's what I'm
1: hoping the next one. I'm, I'm looking forward to buying a couple of handguns next year. So let's talk about 2019. We start out the year with SHOT Show. Which is pretty much the first big thing that goes on in mm-hmm. Vegas. And then you've got, uh, in February, the big uh, week-long deal in Pennsylvania. Is that uh, of any interest to, well, I guess, Cycle's the only one really close enough to even consider that one. How many miles or how many hours away is Pennsylvania? Gizzard's not that far away from there, is he?
0: Pennsylvania?
1: Pennsylvania is and yeah, quite away. On the other side of Mississippi and then Missouri and Illinois. Yeah. And yeah, Ohio, shit. There's somebody, there's somebody up there. There's another
2: Gary that lives up that way.
0: Oh, yeah. It's in Pennsylvania. And, uh, we got a bunch of Ohio people. RL. Yeah,
1: Ohio. That's right next door. Yeah. Well, Pennsylvania is one of the big long states. I think it's on the east side, so. Um, well, it's a couple it's, hours of driving. It's long, but it's
2: not long compared to, like, Texas, sir. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, seriously. Or and, even, and you've got midnights over there, right? Midnight Ranges over there. Yeah, so, you know,
1: don't eat what Eastern Pennsylvania. but So, uh It'd be kind what's of cool. Slim is asking, it's a week long, I don't know what to call it. It's not a. It's like week. a sportsman show, right? Yeah, it's more but like. But they, they, they have guns. It's, it's like an outdoors show, so. It's not a gun show. You don't go there to buy things. It's not a trade show. You're not there just to look at things. It's sort of a sportsman's expo, I think, is what it was originally called. And then, so I'm thinking things from, I haven't been there, but I think it's like boats and camp stuff and campers and, and then guns are included, but it's not like focused on guns. And then whatever it was, 2013, they said, oh, there's, it's politically like unpopular to have guns let's just ban ar-15s and then they were blacklisted from the community basically from the gun community and i think the next year nra came in and took it over and brought guns back to it or air 15s back to it and yep, they, they changed the location too oh the location also okay and but it's large right from what i understand it's a it's one of the larger events in the yeah. calendar of the country
2: and it's in yeah, Mid- midnight says it's in, it's in
1: harrisburg so Central PA, that's only five or six hours. Okay, so you're potentially, now it's new guns and it's outdoor stuff. Is that something that would draw your attention for something that big? That distance? Well,
2: it's close enough I might go for the camaraderie. Let's put it that way. Right. So I might go, you know, if other people were going, I might go just to say,
1: hey, I went and said hi to everybody. So that's February. Then we've got, well, I don't know, March, I guess you could say, Knob Creek and uh, and uh, Big Sandy, the two big machine gun shoots that are open to the public. Then you've got uh, Wanamaker, early April. Yep, yep. first week April. And uh, is NRA the next big thing, the NRA show?
4: NRA the last weekend of April. The last weekend in April, yeah.
1: Okay, so it's April. So now we're talking Indiana. So so far we've got Pennsylvania, um, uh, Oklahoma, and then Indiana. So it's kind of a Eastern Midwest. Well, not even Midwest. Central and Eastern year this year it seems like. Later on in the year, you get the uh, uh Policy Conference will be in Phoenix. That's not till like October, September. Uh, You've got the Knob Creek and Big Sandy again in October, and I'm missing the the NRA Teal Carry Expo, which sounds like this will be the third or fourth year, like they're trying to get that up and rolling. I also miss the USCCA thing. Doesn't that travel each year?
4: Yeah, I'm not sure where it is next year, though.
1: So that's sort of in the middle of the year, if I remember right. I haven't been to that one yet. Is anybody looking at that on their itinerary for next year?
4: I'm looking at it. I just don't know where it is yet.
2: I mean what do they do besides the insurance stuff
1: well USCCA is it started out life as a membership website so it very similar to gun channels but more of a forum uh, format and you had the barrier to entry of pay membership thing so he started out as a membership system and he offered information on concealed carry so it was like having a YouTube channel back in the day when videos were really expensive to host and you know on the internet and he put all this stuff behind a paywall and then as YouTube happened and there was options for free information like that, there was no need to pay for a system that you know had that information behind the paywall, uh, he flipped to a published magazine and then after the magazine, I don't know, didn't, you know, whatever, they transitioned into CC, or the concealed carry insurance as a, a benefit of buying the magazine subscription and being a member of the organization and then that outweighed being a member of the organization. So now they've kind of pivoted, I guess, at some point, to being a concealed carry insurance provider that comes along with the magazine and the membership thing. And then to keep that whole thing going, they've started the, the basically a small version of the NRA show, from what I understand. So it's basically a bunch of manufacturers and distributors will show up and show their stuff to the members who, who show up and the carry insurance is just one of the things that unites them. i guess i don't think it's like a seminar on insurance or anything although they probably do have workshops on what you know ccw and issues like that
2: well i i really like their magazine i have to admit you know i be i'm a us I, that's the insurance that i carry and their their concealed carry magazine i think it's one of the best uh you know all around uh uh Carrier magazines, and it's—I mean, it's even got a special woman's only section in it, and—and and, you know, they really do a great job because they don't just do guns; they do—they do, they do uh, hand-to-hand uh, defensive stuff, and—and and, uh, they do legal aspects, and you know, it's a very well-rounded
1: magazine. I'm—that—that's one of my favorite reads. So, do you figure the show is going to be similar, like in a different flavor than the NRA? Has anybody been to it yet, or we've just heard about it? I've never been there, no. I can't say that I've seen any coverage of it either. I haven't sought it out, but I didn't come across any either.
3: Yeah, the only one I know, budget, you know, budget Gunslinger did it last year. Oh, that's right. It's in uh, Pittsburgh this year, by the way.
1: Oh, see, it's super centric this year. Definitely a year for everybody in the east to get active.
2: So Gary is saying that the uh, the Great American Tour is two three through two ten. Yes, wow, that's early in a month. Well, if midnight could recommend a, a a halfway decent, not too terribly expensive hotel fairly near the place, I would uh, I might go it's it's a little that's a little cold to take the bike out, but I'd certainly be willing to make a hotel trip with the car.
1: I've always wanted to attend it, but uh, it's such a distance, And right after SHOT Show, really.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a way for you to go, too.
1: I'd have to really just leave Stop Vegas that. and go to get to it. Excuse me, my cat's chewing up my microphone wire here. Stop it. We do have a lot of these in the Gun Channel's calendar over here. I was just checking to see if we're missing anything. Uh, the iGold Rally. Uh, this is where the uh, Illinois gun owners uh, get a chance to talk to the let- legislature. Uh, On March 27th, so it's a state-level thing, but Got blade show that's in Georgia every year in June. Anybody ever put that on their radar? None of us really close to Atlanta, I guess. Knives scare me. I've been wanting to do that since 2010. I've known about it, and it's not really big. It's like the size of a gun show, but it's all the main knife manufacturers and then makers, like the people that actually create their own knives. seems so like a really cool event. And uh, I don't know. For some reason, I just want to know. put it. I'm not a big knife guy or nothing, but it just seems like an interesting concept. We've got a couple of things in the calendars here, two of them that are for Content creators or writers or 2A uh, media. One of them is the Outdoor Writers Association, and the other one is the Southeast Outdoor Press Association or something like that. And uh, these are two, they're, well, they're two um, yearly get togethers, and these are networks or organizations of, uh, I want to say it's probably more like outdoor writers than just 2A. But certainly 2A are welcome and are part of the, the communities there and these are great resources that i don't think too many people on gun channels have tapped um at least recently some people in the past have been members and i think it's uh like any professional organization it's not necessarily inexpensive to be a member but once you're a member the benefits are or the opportunities are there if you want to take advantage of them like networking and um uh, collaborations and stuff like that at a whole other level. There are organizations that have been around for a long time, decades, that uh, you know allowed the traditional print media and other types of old media uh, to get together before there was an internet. And I haven't experienced what they are doing on the web now, but the fact that they still exist must indicate that their web presence must be somewhat sophisticated and useful for people. So we haven't talked too much about those in the past other than to mention them. Do do we know anybody that's members of any of these organizations? Maybe get some insight from?
0: I don't know of anybody, no. No, I don't either.
1: I'm thinking that guy who's a writer that I can't ever remember his name. Jeff? Jeff Uh,
4: Kress from your report?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking he's maybe somebody. I know some of the people from... uh,
4: Oh, that would make uh, sense, yeah.
1: Probably members of something like this because they come from you know words and writing and on paper and being centered. Uh, I
3: wonder if that guns and Lawyers guy yeah, can't remember his name.
1: Yeah, uh, Richard, part of the Plate Society podcast crew. I could say that's exactly the kind of person I think is probably members of these organizations. So I don't know if people uh, you know have the time and the interest to uh, incorporate maybe reaching out to some of these other organizations. I stuck them on the calendar. I'd be more than happy to. I ever found them at shot show or or you know now i know what to be aware of if i see any of these logos or anything at shot show i'll probably stop and ask them what the deal is and how inclusive they are to what i like to call new media or you know individual efforts towards media sometimes these people expect you to be credentialed or you know some level of participation so that you like qualify or something and i'm not you know i don't want to discount them if they have those i just assume that they might have something like that must be published or something
3: technically i am i mean i don't know i guess, I guess it, I mean, is in, a, in a publication of some sort right
1: yeah i mean i guess it depends on what they are going to use as a level but yeah i mean i would i don't know the shot show for example if you're in a book you know you're published
3: i've been published in magazines and newspapers
1: Well, so we sort of looked at next year and the calendar can in general. I'm going to go look at the comments and see if anybody's aware of any organiz- or any uh, calendar events that we don't have in there yet. And the calendar on Gun Channels is uh, it's a community effort. So Cycle takes advantage of it and puts things in there. I uh, encourage you to do the same. Any member of Gun Channels can add things to the calendar. It's not Monday, but we've talked about it on Mondays that the internet works with a bunch of tubes and wires and connections, and what we see is one thing. But on the other side, where the matrix lives, uh, and have influence there. And by putting a little bit of effort into sharing some of the organizations' events that you think are useful, you'll uh, do good work for them on the other side of the internet. Let's drop my little fake cigarette. Three three good. I didn't want anybody to talk when I was looking for that. Thanks for all that dinner. You're welcome.
4: That's what
2: <laughs> we're, here for. we're being quiet just in case you hurt yourself or something. We want to make sure we heard, you know, so we could call an ambulance or something. I, I just think it's weird that Pennsylvania has so many things in it. I, I, I never really think of Pennsylvania as being a big convention state, but I,
1: yeah, I know that like
2: quite a bit of stuff.
1: They don't like to share, so I knew that those were qualities of Pennsylvania. But it's definitely apparent this year. Hmm.
2: But yeah, USCCA might be fun, and and the other one there is is not that bad. Pit, you know, Pittsburgh. So USCCA is in Pittsburgh, and then the other one was in uh,
0: Harrisburg. In
2: Harrisburg, yeah, the uh, the outdoor convention. So Harrisburg's a little closer. That's like northeast cornerish.
0: More, more central,
2: different. I think. Yeah. Most of the places I hang around are either in the, the lower the lowers, uh, southeast corner. I'm either on the way down in the southeast corner or I'm way over, uh, you know, almost by Ohio, you know, St. Mary's Parish. Those are the two places I normally hang around.
4: You know, where, and that might be where That's western Pennsylvania, isn't
0: it?
2: Yeah, I think I think Pittsburgh is more to the west. Yes, but I, I would have to. I, I'm really bad at geography, so I would have to go look it up.
0: It is. The only reason I know is I just looked on a map a second ago.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that's good, cheater.
0: Yeah, well.
1: <laughs> Knowing your resources and utilizing them effectively is hardly cheating; <laughs> just winning.
0: That's how so I get any place, is I plot it out on a map and have it tell me how to get there.
2: Stephen, Stephen wants to know the bullet drop on a muzzle loader. And that's easy. It's 32 feet per second squared from the time it's fired. In fact, that's the bullet drop on everything. M- muzzle loader must only be going like, what, 800 feet a second, something like that?
3: he's talking about a sabbath so it could be
2: a sabo yeah
3: yeah it's fairly hot could be yeah but
2: that it's not any hotter than a 45 acp a 45 acp is uh is uh eight nine hundred right
4: i don't know about that yeah about that
2: I only shot 45s, and my, my 45s was, uh, oh, God. We had to stop shooting on 100 yards because nobody could hit anything. We had to start shooting at 50. And I think the drop on mine at 50 was about 8 inches for my 45 cal. Pittsburgh right. is two hours from Cleveland. Well, okay, so Cleveland is on the other side of no place. So it's it's – Two hours past no place.
1: Muzzle loader isn't specific enough, right? Like there's
2: Yeah, that's part of the you need to know if it's rifled or smooth and you know, is it like a is it a s fifty caliber or a sixty nine caliber and how much, you know, how much you put behind it?
0: One more.
1: Yeah. All right.
3: Barrel link. We were
1: talking about you know, there's events going up in, throughout the year in 2019. Our next one is Shot Show. Uh, it's been a bit since uh, some of us have talked. Anything changed? Anything new for the uh, Shot Show?
4: I spent got- the last couple of days going through the app and going through all the companies,
1: and I'm going to be busy put it that way. That one's yeah. in Vegas, right? Well, it's been in Vegas for the last nine years now. Yeah. Uh, Clover, you got your uh, whatever catalog
3: thingy. I got my book thing, which I was, I was waiting on. Um, I really like having that printed version. I use the app and I'll input all that into my app, but I like having that printed version to go through as well. And I can sit in the recliner and mark stuff, and it's just a little more that way. But um, yeah, I mean, I've got 28 just right off the bat when I opened it up. Broke out my little marker. You know, I had 28 pretty much visits or whatnot that I pretty much feel compelled to do anyway. Um so it's gonna be interesting. Uh one thing that I did figure out that I did not know about until i got this book was um oh heck ghost you may have to help me. Uh a new section they're doing on the fifth floor on Wednesday on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Uh called what's it called?
0: Remember ghost?
4: Yeah, hold on here. I got it right
3: here. I don't have it in front of me. They're still doing the SHOT Show Next, which is outside the media room and all. But they've added a, a Wednesday-only fifth-floor event. It's
4: called the Pop-Up Review.
3: Yeah, the Pop-Up Review. Well, I haven't heard of that one. Which is new companies that can't get into or couldn't get into SHOT Show.
1: And they're just only able to open up a little booth for one day on Wednesday. On Wednesday,
4: uh, Wednesday on the fifth floor. Interesting. But it's, so, all, day, it's all day
1: Wednesday. Did they move the... Materials and facilitation, little room that they had because I thought that was like fourth or fifth floor. Did they move that off site? Like somebody was talking about?
3: I haven't looked. I don't know. I hope
1: not. That would be the dumbest thing ever.
3: Fire showcase.
1: Yeah, exactly. Was that what it was called? Yeah. So it was all the fun stuff. It was the the stuff that isn't at NRA. It's the stuff that you know allows the industry to happen. All the materials and where they get their Velcro and where they get their nylon and where they get things sewn and where they get things laser cut and all the new metal processes. And not only is it see the stuff, but it's neat to see the people in the aisles with their eyes open and thinking about, you know, seeing that, wondering what, you know, what's going to change and what's going to happen now that they've figured out a new way to do something cheaper or faster or something smaller.
3: Flyer well, showcase is Monday and Tuesday on the 5th floor. Okay, so
1: that's what they're doing. So that's what they did last year. Is they First, they shoved it all upstairs and made it before the show, Monday. So you would basically had to either go to the shoot or that. That was stupid. And then last year, they made it Monday and Tuesday, so those people didn't have to like leave before the show even started. Now it looks like they'll make them leave on Tuesday and then let a bunch of other people in there. That'll be interesting. I like the idea because it's seventeen thousand dollars from what I heard last year to have a booth now, and that's downstairs, a little booth. So um, yeah. uh, that's a pretty big cost. Obviously, it costs something to put your booth up. You know, stuff that you have in the booth is going to cost thousands of dollars. People that are there are going to cost something to be there, and uh, then you, you're, you're in a location where you hope somebody finds you. Usually, at the beginnings of your time a shot show you're down somewhere lost in the middle of weirdness in the basement no matter what you are or what you're offering so it does seem kind of interesting to have a less I'm assuming less costly way to let little companies since we're obviously seeing a difference in the way that items are coming to the market they don't need to come from a company who thinks there's a way to sell them and can deal with a new production line now a little company in their garage can come out with something clever and unique and scale up to massive levels without having to be
3: a giant what i found out that's kind of interesting with those two is i've been going through there's actually two that i've got to go up there and see two companies um but going through i thought well, i'm going to go through some of these companies and figure out what they do and just see if anything's interesting you know and in doing that some of these companies don't even have a website yet (laughs) that's how small they are they're literally like in the development stages or something what they're doing crazy and then you've got of course you've got next and that's kind of crazy it's going to be interesting to see how that fifth floor is set up compared to next because with next they just got that little kiosk and you know that's kind of got to suck a little bit there's only so much product and so much you can do there with a it ain't even a full kiosk because one side's one company and the other side's another. So it's it's weird. So I don't know if they'll have full booths up there or how it'll be set up.
1: Yeah, that next thing I'm divided on that. I can totally see why it's the benefit benefits of it, but then the way that it's facilitated or whatever, where you're right on top of each other, like there's just no opportunity to really host someone you know like actually have a conversation with them because you're having that conversation half the time right next to three other people that are having the same you know different conversations no walls or anything and you guys are yeah. pretty effective with it though
3: And looking in looking through the through the book though and then noticing the the pop-up review and then knowing you know they added next whatever last year whatever it was and you know the fact that they're expanding um you know, I like, I think it was a positive move. I like that.
4: Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh spending some time up there on Wednesday for sure. If it's anything like the dungeon, man, I love the dungeon, so if it's anything like that, I'm gonna be in hog heaven up there.
1: Well, did you guys go up to the fifth floor last year?
4: No, but I love the the, the basement. You know, I love that atmosphere of you know, the innovators and these companies that are putting all their eggs in the one basket, trying to make it big, and if it's anything like that, then I, I'm looking forward to it.
1: It's kind of different, and it's physically different because it's basically the media room. You know how the media room is like super lit up, and the, the ceilings are way up in the air. It's it's in a room like that. I mean, it's literally the same room. It's just upstairs. So uh, I know what you're talking about, but the the dungeon, sort of the basement there, those the. the Ceilings are nowhere near as high and it's dark. Oh, yeah, it's it so is. don't get yeah. that, you know, feeling or whatever like that of it, but um, no, no, it's a little different too because these are not upstarts, these are like giant, 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 giant companies that provide metal or provide zippers or provide like webbing or provide uh laser cutting or some sort of a you know new 3D printing process or something. So these are companies with that aren't upstarts or anything necessarily, they're most of them were highly established and you know, major machining companies probably and then they're like their firearms division came out and represented themselves a shot. You know, like it's not their Oh my chat chat just died there die for everybody. Got it? No, I'm here. Okay, maybe it's just my connection. But uh so it's a little different than what you're talking about cuz yeah, there's definitely that feeling downstairs where it's you know, you can almost feel that not tension, but that excitement in the air a little
3: different upstairs because it's, it's a
4: lot of energy and that's what i like about it down there is there's a lot of energy you know
3: way more than the main main floor is a lot of established people and kind of they go through their emotions but they go through all the time because they're established so they have their spiel that they've done for years and years and, years and you know their legacy products and just all the other stuff going on and you, yeah you don't have that on the bottom floor uh those those people are hungrier
4: Well, they're also they're also innovating. You know, a lot of the bigger companies we talk about, they're not innovating a whole lot. And the, the, these younger companies that are on the basement, the dungeon, whatever you want to call it, they are doing everything they can to make make a difference and try something new to to make their mark, and that's that's kind of fun.
3: Yeah, and you got to figure the companies that are going to be on the fifth floor Wednesday should be the same way. So there should be some really interesting conversation to be had at several of those booths oh yeah
1: and it'll be different in a way because instead of being four days and you're just walking past you know at some point during four days there's gonna be like an urgency because it's only one day right so it's gonna be you know people are only gonna be able to see it for the one day people are gonna be walking up there for the first time and they're setting up for the first time so it'll be different
4: yeah i've never been to the fifth floor so it'd be it'd be fun to
3: go up there and check that out
1: I didn't get back to the media room
3: the and, free uh, After hearing g Webs talk about it last year I was like I need to at least Pop up there at least for a little bit Just to check it out On uh, Tuesday I guess So we so got of-
1: 24 people watching 17 of them have thumbed up those videos So I'm assuming a couple of them are uh, Interested in what we're talking about So now I'm going to put a question out to the people watching this are you expecting anything different from SHOT Show this year? I'm assuming you watch more than just a couple of people's content on uh, the web. And uh, are you expecting more or different things from them with the bump stock and everything uh, being a uh, influence in a whole different way than we had in 2012? Um, a little bit different than we had last year? A different situation than we had last year with the, uh, um, I guess, the question of what was going to happen after the Vegas incident? So uh, uh, are people going to, the audience, right, who is ultimately responsible for everything any of us do because they, their actions indicate what we're going to point our cameras at and what, we're gonna, what questions we're going to ask. Are you as audience going to expect more from the people that coverage cover a trade show like this or are we going to be satisfied with the same old, same old or an amplification of what's come before? Or are we going to have influence on asking different questions this time at shot, or looking for more than just the surface? Obviously, you know my uh, point of view on that, but throwing that out there more as a rhetorical question, I guess, to the people listening, right? might be listening in the future?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I, I... I'm getting pretty tired of all these organizations asking me for money. I want to see a plan, right? You know, don't don't just tell me I got to don't. Oh, please donate another twenty bucks or another fifty bucks or whatever. I want to I want to see a plan of this is what we are going to do. First, we're going to file this paperwork, and then we're going to bring this suit. Or you know what I mean? Uh, you know that this bullshit of of people just running around with their heads. Like like with chickens with their heads cut off saying, Give me money, give me money, give me money. That doesn't cut it for me anymore. Let you know, let me know what I'm contributing to and how you plan on using the cash.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And
2: no, I was particularly proud to see the policy rights conference was one of the first people out of the shoot to bring suit. You know, them and, and GOA, they were right there, man.
4: Right.
3: And then also, you know. A plan of action, you know, marching orders, whatever it might be, uh, that also helps you know those of us in the new media to help get the word out on all of that stuff as well. Which would then turn around. I mean, if we knew what the what the plan was and what the the marching orders were, then I mean, we could, in essence, help them to better fund you know whatever avenues they were trying to take because we could try to help get the word out on that and having specifics is a lot better than just going out and saying hey you need to support the goa or you need to support this or you need to support that you know coming out and being able to give people details you know very important
0: i found uh i subscribed to the uh, fpc youtube channel a couple of days ago and they're putting out daily updates with pretty good details on what they're doing so
2: and I, and I was frankly a little surprised I haven't heard much from a Second Amendment foundation
1: well you won't really hear from them they don't they they fund and they empower but they don't collect money and take credit whenever a situation happens they're you know creating things like the gun rights policy conference and McDonald's versus Chicago uh, they're working with the funding and the uh Lawyers who are thinking strategically at what to attack, and then in amplifying the the most potential, or the stuff with the most potential. Gun owners and FPC seem to be most uh, the two that are willing to step up and uh, you know be what, like to to do their stuff right in front of everybody, and uh, I guess champion the actual initiatives. Yeah, they're more the front runners. Yeah, Second Amendment is more like their support system. Uh, Second Amendment Foundation is uh, you know, incorporates a lot of stuff, some international stuff. The JPFO now, you know, they're they're keeping a lot of things around, sort of like gun channels. We don't do anything on gun channels other than support channels that are doing things, right? We're not, you know, we're not trying to take credit for everything that happens because we're just there to create a system or a network to let people stand on and reach, and that's what Second Amendment seems to do. And if they only charge one hundred and twenty five dollars or something for a lifetime membership, so you know, they're not their their funding comes from large donors and people that are that know that their money is well uh, used when they give it to a second amendment. So they're not you they're not I don't think they're they're not a publicity thing. They're more the, the grease behind the wheels or the grease of the wheels.
0: I know on YouTube where you can when you do your uh What do they call them? The the little things that pop up in the corner of your screen on your videos? Links or something like that. You can, uh, one of them is for a nonprofit organization. I do know that Second Amendment Foundation's in that list. I've put that link in several of my videos.
1: On YouTube, you mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't even, I thought they got rid of annotations.
4: the the cards you can put in It's a card
1: that pops up. Yeah, I thought they got rid of all that. I haven't been putting those on.
4: Oh, yeah, they still have cards. You can put up to five of them, I think.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks. Imagine what it would be like if all the people creating gun content added a Second Amendment or whoever's card to the end of their thing.
0: I figure every little bit helps if only one or two people click on it at least I got that oh so.
1: well, yeah every time you create an established reciprocal link on the internet it's helping even if the human beings never actually initiate it it's the again the little one more tick towards you know the establishing that connection is valid so when other decisions are made on the web they they look at that kind of stuff so it's definitely useful to, to include that in your content Very well, So that's been about an hour, and it is sort of uh, holiday week. We've got some people chatting about uh, things on the YouTube side, on the gun channel side. They've been chatting about using and shooting black powder. Um, anything else we want to talk about today? I guess I have a gun shop in here. Every day we do uh, a show on the daily so that we can feature a gun shop. That's our goal. So, uh,
3: I've got one in the Oh, we got one over here. Uh, but we can do two. So this one is called
1: Citadel Defense, and I'm going to take every opportunity I can to promote this shop. Uh, it's a really cool place. It's in a town called, okay, I can't remember the name how you say this, but Morris or something like that. And it's a little tiny town literally on the border with uh, New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania. There's a river that goes right there, and uh, you cross that river and you're in, and you're in New York. You could almost, if you stood on top of this sign, you could probably see New York from this store, really close to New York. And uh, I was in a tough spot getting into uh, that part of the country and having firearms with me. And uh, they were able to uh, take my firearms and clean them for me while I ducked into New York and checked out the Bannerman Castle. So uh, that was an awesome uh, uh, circumstance or whatever that just sort of happened. And uh, awesome, just a cool place. I uh, went in and hung out, and I got some pictures here of the place. They've got this, uh, well, seating area. It's uh, The building is an old roller skating rink, so it's a giant building, and the, what you would call like the lobby or the area up front when you're roller skating is his gun shop, and you can see behind these like walls that there's this whole bunch of buildings still there. So he's got a pretty nice shop up in the front of this giant, giant building, and uh, here's a picture of the rest of the building there. And he has gun shows in there. So he has, his, he has his own gun shows. Eventually he'll have a range in there. And uh, just a cool use, you know, reuse of a giant building like that. Just so much potential for a gun shop. Uh, listening to him, talk to customers for a while was a pleasure. It's always interesting for me, somebody from Arizona, to go to gun shops in New York or California or places that are different and uh, hear the interactions. So the gun shop in Pennsylvania that's so close to New York in the maybe hour I spent there uh, it was just awesome to hear people coming from New York with the kinda of questions they had and this guy was uh, just one of the best gun shop owners I've experienced as far as his ability to educate without um, demeaning I guess is the way to say it so he was able to let people know about the craziness of the laws without just shaking his fist at the sky like getting efficient information across these people so they came out of his shop you know just a shop, a visit to a gun shop they came out wiser and you know more aware of their situation so that's a valuable service he's providing in addition to helping me out and it's just a neat shop so i like everything about the shop and i want to take every opportunity i can to help him promote the place hopefully it'll be there for a long time he had some neat ideas of what to do with the shop and to make it sort of a version of what they have in vegas for um uh, tourism, like you know, sh- firearms tourism or shooting tourism. He wants to be able to do something like that for the people who are in New York to be able to come over and experience what it's like to uh, you know, enjoy recreationally the Second Amendment, and then of course take that uh, knowledge and uh, back to New York with them and hopefully change some things. So, uh, cool shop, and it's in very eastern Pennsylvania. And uh, if you're ever in that area, highly encourage you to check it out. Just a nice shop too they have a good selection of stuff and these cool posters on the walls so a uh, nice comfortable place he had donuts and coffee so even if he's busy with somebody uh you can hang out and enjoy yourself and that's one of the reasons we do the show every day so we can talk about the gun shops clover you said you had a shop too
3: uh yeah hot rod arms where's this one at uh tyler texas <laughs> Now their website is just your fire website so you know, of those boilerplate whatever you know what I mean
1: yeah it looks like they've got a probably a an agreement with their wholesaler or with one of their suppliers where they have like a website yeah like built off of their main website specific to their store but then having a shared inventory with everything the distributor has
3: yeah, but it's got some pictures on the Google uh, menu over
1: here. Search or whatever. There's pictures of the store in here you're
3: saying? Yeah, on the front, if you just do the Google search over there. There's some pictures. For the and all.
1: So you've been to this one before?
4: Oh, okay.
3: yeah. It's by no means my favorite, but you know it's a gun shop, so <laughs> freestanding place yep they're they are a manufacturer and all that stuff so they build and
1: uh hot rod arms because they also do cars
3: uh they don't do cars there okay it's right next to the, see the Army Navy store see above that blue truck, go back this is what's cool about it uh, oh, see the building to the right oh this one? yeah that's the Army Navy store <laughs>
1: so, well, cool
3: it's like, it's like a two oh, yeah. thousand one. <laughs> that looks
1: like a pretty good selection of stuff
3: mm-hmm.
1: well, Alice is happy with it mm mm-hmm. Right. work and stuff. So Tyler, Texas. We'll add that one to the list. So if you'd like to feature a gun shop that you're familiar with or that you hang out at or that impressed you, then uh, feel free to email us, dailygunshow at gmail.com. And uh, that's what we do. Is we promote the gun shops missed the Today in History part of the DGS, so let's go look. I've still got a site over there called uh, guncalendars.com, and that's where we have the uh, history, uh, firearms history of the day. It's actually going to be going back to that as soon as I can take a minute to actually you know, prepare the show again. Uh, but today, for example, is the uh, birthday of Reverend John Forsyth back in 1769. He was born and later on in his life after being a minister or whatever he was, he would eventually uh, create the percussion, well the, the beginnings of the percussion cap, uh, what was called a scent bottle, and uh, it was sort of a, he was frustrated that it was taken so long, from what I understand, it was taken so long when you'd hit the flint and it would take a mile for the powder in the pan to ignite and then ignite your powder in the chamber, Uh, that birds were getting away or critters were getting away. It was making noise and taking time. So it was an effort at making the uh, firearm ignition more efficient. And he wasn't, uh, you know, somebody who grew up being a firearms inventor or working at gun shops or anything. He just was a guy who was clever and put a little bit of ingenuity to uh, the rifle that he had in front of him. And he created a thing that eventually would become the... uh, uh, well, I guess primers, really. The percussion cap which would eventually become primers. So, uh, kinda cool. And back in the seventeen hundreds or whatever, I guess that was more of a thing, you know. Nobody told people what they could or couldn't do, so they just did stuff. We can still do that today. Nobody's telling you not to do stuff, so go out and do stuff. That's something. So, yep, I agree. I like One of the reasons I did the show on a daily to begin with is so that we could touch, touch on some of those pieces of 2A history out there. I think they're interesting, and certainly a lot of them. And like I say, one of, if I had my way, the show would be a little bit different, and that would definitely be included. So we'll be efforting towards that in a couple of different ways next year. But I think for now, we'll uh, end the show up here tonight. Ghost looks like he's having some issues, so he jumped out. Clover, thanks for jumping in, though. Coming in from Texas. Uh you got anything coming up?
3: Uh Final Friday podcast will release first thing in the morning across iHeartRadio, Spotify Podbean, all the legitimate podcast things, and then it'll release slowly everywhere else throughout the day. So we've got um, Oh, who was it? James with Trigger Safe is who we talked with this week.
1: And that was like a sort of like a kydex or an injection molded trigger cover?
3: A little trigger cover, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. right on and then uh monday anything coming up
3: uh monday we'll do uh yeah we'll do the instagram live monday but that's um yeah that's about it there'll be a few video drops and some other stuff over the next few days too i'm sure
1: right on see you'll still get a little bit of clover before the year is over um ghost show is on well if he does his show on the first it'll be next year so i'm not sure if ghost will do anything still this year uh, Gary, you got anything coming up still in
0: 2018? Uh, I'm thinking about getting a just a year in review video together sometime at the end of this week, but putting it together and getting it out. But other than that, not real sure.
1: But right on. And that's a good point, and I would encourage anyone making any kind of content to consider doing an end of the year thing. In fact, do it as often as you want, even a monthly one is a great way to add another piece of content that allows your viewers to keep up on what you're doing so if they've missed anything but if you create a project for any length of time trying to remember what you did years ago is pretty tough so creating you know, the end of the year wrap-ups or monthly wrap-ups or some sort of uh time frame and looking back uh can be almost like having a journal or a diary or something for yourself and uh find it useful sometimes when I've done that uh, just you know not realizing how long things would go and uh, I'm assuming if I'm finding it useful others might as well so that's a great point to bring up so I'd highly encourage you to do it and uh, you never know six years from now when the gizzard project is Yankee level and you're looking back it'll be neat to grab that video and see what you did in 2018 you betcha ya uh, cycle anything new and exciting coming up the end of the year?
2: No, I, I still got some firearms that need parts that I'm still on the hunt for, so that I'm still trying to figure out how to get the rest of the gun parts I need so that I can shoot some of these guns.
1: Right on. So, uh, I guess if you wanted to, you could cheat and just get them, but one is firing them and discovering them? Or if you decided to just cheat and you're not finding them?
2: Oh, no, I, I, uh, you know, the problem is I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a gunsmith, so I can replace parts, but I can't, I'm not a fabricator like, you know, market anvil or that kind of thing, so, so we'll, uh, we'll see, I I do have some ammunition on order too, some specialty ammunition, so I can shoot that Italian Badeo, and uh, I've got, I've got maybe four or five guns that I'm, I'm ready to shoot. Uh, That don't need parts that I that I just got to get the different kind of ammo and wait for the range to come out from being underwater Do you have indoor ranges? that you can go to there are definitely indoor rangers Indoor ranges in the town, but since I belong to the gun club, it's kind of you know I feel kind of bad going to an indoor range when I actually belong to a club that has its own range So we'll see what about the
1: concept of having some kind of a joint thing so that like, there's got to be other people in the same situation when it floods out? Like if they did some sort of like sister membership where you're a member of both, or you can alternate to the indoor or something, and the all indoor people could use the outdoor.
2: Yeah, these guys, they I I don't know about you guys, but but the the guys that have ranges up here, they're a pretty they're a pretty tight knit bunch. Yeah, and not
1: necessarily all working together.
2: Right. Right.
1: It's pretty weird. All right. Well, again, thanks, everybody, for joining. Uh, it's been a good interactive uh, show. It's what it's all about. And uh, we'll be back here same time tomorrow.